Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. We're getting to this topic here. As you guys know, Team USA's basketball team just got eliminated in the FIBA, in the FIBA World, World Cup. Not only did they get eliminated, they didn't even medal. The last time that happened was like 30 plus years ago. Yes, Team USA's basketball team did not win a single medal. After we just got finished over the last few years listening to all of these people run all over the media, twerking it up all over the place, knocking over everybody's drinks, talking about some damn, oh, well, you know, this is the most, bro, this, this, this here, here, right, these, these players right here, man, this is the most advanced NBA players we didn't ever seen. No one is as, can, as athletic, can run and jump as skill. Bro, I mean, they make players in the past look like a bunch of plumbers and firemen. So if, like, dumb dudes was winning, those awards, so I mean, what we call this group, right? I mean, apparently we got some plumbers and firemen still running around because those boys couldn't even qualify, not even for the bronze, not even for the bloody bronze. Has it got, has it come to this point? No, honestly, let's talk about it. How can the most skilled set of NBA players to ever exist on the planet Earth not even get one single medal in a global competition? How is this even possible? Now, some of the jokers in the back are going to be like, no, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We didn't even send our best players. Did you hear what LeBron James and all these? Blah, blah. First of all, LeBron came into the NBA what year, 2003? Katie and these boys came in what, in the early 2000s? That's when they came in, right? Help me figure it out. Most of those players have been in the NBA for at least 13 to 14, some of them 15 years. You going to add those boys to, as a part of this generation? Stop it. Stop it. They are not a part of this. Those are older players, and you got dudes running all over the place, twerking it up because they heard that LeBron is going to play, which I'm happy because I'm we produced a live about this, and I was celebrating the fact. But let's get back to the point here because the roast hasn't even started yet. We just bring it out the cutleries right now. We're getting ready to rub this barbecue chicken all over these fools' backs and roast them. Let's get into this topic here. About a week or so ago, if you guys remember, American Sprint star... Noah Lyles went to a global competition. I believe it was the 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 what is it the world um uh what is it the world games or something like that. I forgot the sprinting uh, event that it's called, but I used to follow sprinters, so I just don't remember um, the world championship. He goes out there and he wins the hundred meter dash, and he wins the gold medal. In the press conference, while he's talking, now I don't know what solicited this response from him. He's up there and he's talking. And in the midst of all of that, he takes it upon himself to take a shot at NBA players who call themselves world champions. So for those of you who don't remember what he said, we want to quickly play what Noah Lyles had to say here, and then we're going to come back and really get into the show. Take a listen to what Noah Lyles had to say there. You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? The United States? Don't get me wrong. I I love the US at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. That is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving 
putting on they flag to show that they are represented there ain't no flags in the nba <laughs> so you heard what noah Lyles had to say there after that some nba players prominent voices by the way took it upon themselves to come out there and essentially uh reprimand him and call him out for his quote-unquote disrespectful comments toward nba players let me give you what some players said kevin durant said somebody helped this brother another person said big fan but gone with that bs bruh sucker you know what draymond green when being smart goes wrong imagine draymond green talking about when being smart goes wrong just imagine let's continue kendrick perkins Put his brain in a bird and the bird will start flying backwards. PJ Tucker can't make this bleep up. Aaron Gordon, whatever. I'm smoking, buddy, in a 200 meter. Simply put, best players in the world play in the league. So winning an NBA championship qualifies as world champs. I don't know what's more cringe, his comments or his voice. Tyler Hero, the NBA is the best league in the world. That's why the champs are world champs. De'Aaron Fox, why bro care so much? I found it fun that he used the term, what hurts me the most is just funny, not that serious big dog. So these guys went out there and said that, and apparently there was a tweet where um, that was now deleted. Apparently they said from Kevin Durant where he said, you jealous of NBA players. So this morning I was doing some uh, research and I was finding it difficult to come up with some 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 topics here. And then one of the people that works with us here, he sends me a topic. I was like, of, of uh, basically of Giannis Antetokounmpo responding to what his fellow NBA players had to say about Noah Lyles. And essentially what was taking place here was Giannis was coming to the defense of Noah Lyles, which to me shocked me. Let me get to the article that he sent from SI.com. Uh, and the article continues on to say, American track and field champion Noah Lyles has garnered the backing of Milwaukee Bucks superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis expressed his support for Noah, Noah's viewpoint, highlighting that NBA champions should refrain from labeling themselves as world champs. I wanted to back him up so bad, you know, Antetokounmpo uh, 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 said. He received so much backlash for saying, saying the, like, obvious. The article then continues on. Giannis's argument. Giannis, though, sided with Lyle, saying that it's only the NBA that calls itself champion, uh, champions, world champions. Other leagues, such as UEFA Champions, uh, Champions Leagues, simply call their winners champions. I don't think any in any other sport you're called the world champions. In soccer, which is way bigger than the NBA and more popular than the NBA, the UEFA Champions League championships don't say they're the world champions. First of all, let's 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 clap for Giannis. Let's clap for Giannis, please. Let's let's stand up and clap for Giannis for 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 sprinkle, sprinkling some common sense into this conversation. This is something. This particular topic is something that was so big that even my cousin he messaged me like, "Yo, you heard what you heard what son said? You gonna do a video about? You gonna do a show about it? You gonna talk about it?" I'm like, "Don't worry, don't worry about it, bro. <laughs> don't worry about it, bro. We got you. We we gonna talk about it." So that that was the time we produced the original show. Let me give you guys my thoughts on this, and I'm not going to belab belabor them. You know what? I wonder. I sincerely wonder what these dudes 
be doing with their money in the offseason. No, for real. You know, some people say the reason that they can't travel is because they don't have the means, they don't have the time. Usually it's because of the means, the financial means. In this case, we're talking about uber wealthy NBA players who are earning tens of millions of dollars per annum who have the capability to travel to multiple countries every single year and expand their horizons. And these guys have all of this money and yet and still they could not solve this very, very simple global equation. How is it that it's only NBA players that were lost by this? And why is it that Giannis, who's an NBA player, but lived outside the U.S., has a better understanding of these issues? Help me understand this. Help me understand this. What people be doing with their money? They don't travel. And even if they do travel, what I'm beginning to understand is this, that some of these guys literally live in a bubble. Literally. And what they do is they carry the bubble to other countries and they stay within the bubble. They literally, they literally just incubate themselves within this bubble and they don't really step out. I'll give you guys an example of this. I'll give you guys a quick example. I went to a university in uh, Rome, Italy. Fantastic place. If you've ever had a chance to go to Italy, uh, uh, I suggest you go. It is that damn amazing. And Rome, Rome is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, period. And so I don't care what the city you bring. Rome is right there with any city. When we're talking about beauty, it's not even, it's not, I mean, Rome is incredible. But when you go to Rome, when I was in Rome in, in university, uh, I got a chance to come across different people from different walks of life. People from the Middle East, people from the United States, people from Italy, people from Europe, people from Africa, from all over the world, right? All over the world. But I got to call it like it is. As an American, I got to call it like it is and we're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it real and we're going and whoever is going to be offended, that's your damn business because I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. If you feel a type of way about it, that's your business. It's, it's, your, it's, it's your issue with facts. Here's something that used to bother me and bother a lot of people and really confound them. You will have a group of Americans, as an American speaking, so I'm overqualified to talk about it, that will come to Italy, for example, Italy, you come to this foreign country, which is known for its food and its culture, and guess what these people are doing? They're looking for McDonald's. Or they're looking for Chick-fil-A. How do you leave the United States where you have McDonald's, where you have Chick-fil-A, you have all of these things, you go to Italy and you're looking for the exact same thing you left them. So why don't you just stay in the States? Why don't you just stay in the States? Why? Why didn't you just stay where you at? Why? It's something that used to confound me. And to me, it is exposing an issue that exists apart from hubris. But when you're traveling around the world, you don't be talking to people. Don't these people talk to people? Don't they ask questions? I mean, seriously. How can you say that the NBA, when you win the NBA championship, you've won the world championship when there are multiple leagues in the, oh my Lord, Lord, help us all. Help us all. Just because the league has the best players in the world doesn't mean it's a global competition. So, and if it is a world championship, please help me figure it out. What were they just playing just now in the FIBA games? What was that? No, no, help me figure it out. What was it? Interstellar competitions? What was it? Were those, were those games taking place on Saturn? Help me figure it out. 
Were they not playing against other countries? Would that not make it a go a global competition? And did you read what these do? these dudes were actually talking like as if they were really saying something innovative? Even Stephen A. Smith, who makes over ten million per annum, ten million dollars per annum, even he couldn't figure that out. He couldn't figure it out. And I give you guys my final thoughts, and I'll close with this. I remember talking to one of my relatives. I'm not going to say his name. A number of years ago. And I said to him, I said, he was older than me and he had a good job. He's a dentist. And I said, why don't you travel? Why don't you travel? You're making all this money. Why don't you travel? You know what he said to me? This is what he said to me. This is a dentist. He said, why would I need to travel? I have everything in the United States. That encapsulates, that that summarizes all of it. Why would I need to travel when I have everything here? Did, did, did y'all hear that? This is embarrassing. The reason Giannis was able to grasp this is because Giannis is a global citizen like myself. I don't know if Giannis was born in Greece, but I know he grew up there, but he comes from a multicultural background. Giannis, I'm sure, has three passports. He was just recently in Nigeria this summer. I'm sure he has three passports. He stepped foot in Africa. He stepped foot in Europe. He stepped foot in the United States. Whenever you meet people like this, you can have a sensible conversation. And to Giannis, it was just as shocking as it was to me and other Americans that probably travel. No American that travels out of the United States that's living in a bubble would agree with something like this. None of them. And to me, it shows you that wealth cannot buy you class and education. I'm sorry. You got to seek it out. I'm sorry. All that money and something like this. We can't even figure that one out. That was embarrassing. And I 100% side with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And if you disagree with Giannis, you're an idiot. Period. End of story. Period. This one, you're an idiot. Because it means your ignorance cannot permit you to understand a basic, basic conversation. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let's get into this topic here. As you guys know, Scottie Pippen has turned himself into an absolute nuisance over the last few years uh, with some of the things that he's been saying about Michael Jordan. When the Last Dance docuseries came out in 2020, we were all excited to see it. It was a 10-part uh, 10, 10 docuseries. And this, this docuseries was basically meant to chronicle the 1998 Chicago Bulls uh, run to that last year. So basically, it was talking about the key keep key um people uh players in that store in that in that story arc and then taking it from various points in their careers and bringing it into the present day and that present day in this case is 1998 when they were competing for their last uh um, nba championship so they were talking about various players and all throughout the doc they were taught they were covering highs and lows of various players they did it about michael jordan who was the star of the doc they did it about dennis robin and of course they did it about scotty pippen and during one episode, I don't remember it, 
it was the episode where he refused to go back in the game because he was upset that Phil Jackson had dropped the play for him and he refused. And then Michael Jordan said he believed that that was selfish. Also, the thing about um, him electing to get a surgery, uh, you know, you know, because he was uh, upset with the contract that he signed, uh, you know, after the, 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 what is it, the Chicago Bulls team owner and Mike, Michael Jordan advised him not to do it. So there was that. And Michael Jordan and these guys released it. Then the docuseries came out. The moment it came out, Scottie Pippen went on a campaign, a public campaign to basically smear Michael Jordan's name all over the internet and all over the media. And during, I think during the first episode or during the first, I think the first stop that he made was on the Dan Patrick show is really where he kicked things off. And it was in that show where he called Phil Jackson, his former head coach, a racist. And then on top of that, he said that Michael Jordan was basically a con artist who was conning fans by controlling the cameras. And he wasn't real. And what was going on wasn't really what you think was going on. So what we want to do is we want to play those original comments of what Scottie Pippen had to say to Dan Patrick on the Dan Patrick show about Phil Jackson and then Michael Jordan. And then we're going to continue on with the show. Take a listen to Scotty here. Help me understand the GQ article where you talked about the 1994 playoff game when you refused to go back in the game and Phil set up the play for Tony Kukoc. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said. If you go back and look at when Scotty Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls and who deserved the last shot of the game. No, no, no. I understand that, Scotty. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines. And then you go on to say it was a racial move to give him, Tony Kukoc, a rise. So, well, I mean, if you knew that Scotty Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons and every other team that we had to get to those three championships, wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan. Can I get one shot? Like I'm doing all the dirty work. But all of that, I understand from the basketball standpoint, but when so, you say a racial move. Well, why would, why would Tony, who was a rookie get the last second shot and you put me out of bounds? That's what I mean. Racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? But have you talked to Phil about this? Because by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil. A racist. I don't got a problem with that. <laughs> do you think Phil was or is? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went, wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? You name someone in professional sports that would do that. You know? I well, think he tried to expose Kobe <laughs> in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach. And you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players, this is a circle and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about. But you as the head coach, open it up. 
And now you go out and you try to belittle at that time, probably one of the greatest players in the game. Well, it feels like he's disloyal. I don't know if that makes him a racist. Well, that's your yeah. way of putting it out. And I have my way. I was in the locker room with him. I was in practices with him. Uh, you're looking for him afar. Yeah, and, and look, that's why I wanted to have you on. But I go back and Phil designed a play for Steve Kurt when Mike was <clears> there. And Mike Mike didn't have a problem with that, did he? I don't, I don't want to see. You're not, you're, you're not setting me up to answer the right question. What do you mean Phil set up a play for Steve Kerr? He didn't set that play up for Steve Kerr. He set that play up for Michael Jordan. <laughs> I thought in the huddle, Mike says, I'm going to throw you the ball. You'll be open at the felon. That – and. Phil had nothing to do with that? And you don't want to get this show started because it'll take us a long time. Do you know all those cameras that's sitting in that huddle who they was working for? The NBA. So you know who Michael was speaking to when he said that, right? <laughs> that was that was planned. <laughs> that was speaking to the to the camera. That wasn't speaking out of what we're gonna have to do, what the play is gonna be. That was speaking to the camera. Had John had uh, John Stockton not came down, trust me. <laughs> but that was building his own documentary because he knew he was controlling the cameras. So you heard what Scottie Pippen had to say there. You heard what he had to say. If you were listening to that soundbite or that segment carefully, you will also hear in his voice that he was audibly upset. He was even getting annoyed with the way that Dan Patrick was asking him those questions. Let's go back into that audio for a second. I want to highlight a particular point he said. He said he thought it was disrespectful for head coach Phil Jackson to elect to go with Tony Kukoc, who he believed was a better player in that particular game scenario, over Scottie Pippen, and therefore he refused to go back in the game and he took that as absolute disrespect, right? But we never really got to understand it from Phil Jackson's side until yesterday we produced the show centered on some, you know, day for yesterday we produced the show centered on some comments that Scottie Pippen made on ESPN a number of years ago when he was with Rachel Nichols Tracy McGrady and Paul Paul Pierce. During this segment, they were talking about players that were good at closing out games. This same Scottie Pippen in that soundbite was saying that he never had a clutch gene. He was never a closer. Michael Jordan was always the closer and he was robbed of his clutch gene. The Scottie Pippen, they got upset with Phil Jackson for electing to go with a player that he felt was in a better situ a better position to win the game. So what we want to do is want to quickly play what Scottie Pippen had to say about his own abilities to close late games, and then we're going to continue on. Take a listen to Scottie Pippen here. Rachel, I'm not afraid to say that I don't have clutch genes. Uh, I played with a guy that took all the questions. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we can't even argue with him. Uh, man, he got, hey, it's all first. Uh, 
I had the best clutch player ever. Yes. I'm all good with, with that. I mean, is that, is, when you are playing with a guy like that, does it change your mentality in terms of, as these guys say, they say, oh, I want the ball ah. in that moment. When you spend so much of your career playing with Michael Jordan, do you think, okay, in that moment, I know what I'm doing. I'm passing. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you know what you're doing. But listen, and you know what? It, it, it was a relationship that me and Michael had. Sure. So it was uh, the relationship built that I knew where I wanted the ball at the end of the game. He wasn't, I knew who wanted the ball listen, at the end of the game. I'm a, I was a Pitt fan. I watched Pitt growing up. He wasn't afraid. Yeah. He had the he had the clutch gene, mm -hmm. and he really wanted it. What was that? That that game in uh, New York when yeah. they went to coach. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Stop. 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 But no, Pip had the clutch gene. I mean, he just, he played with the, the greatest clutch player of all time. And, right. and by the way, Michael depended on you to do certain yeah, things. And absolutely. there were parts of Michael's game that he ceded to you on that court. As you said, it was a partnership. It was. And you would never see a game where Michael would be standing watching somebody take the last shot. Right. That would just kill him. So you heard what Scottie Pippen had to say. You heard, th th that was him. That wasn't me, that was him. So yesterday, I was going through the internet, and I came across a Vlad TV interview where he sat down with NBA Top 75 player Dominique Wilkins. And in this interview, they were talking about the modern NBA versus the previous NBA and a bunch of things. But then in, in one particular clip, they were talking about the fallout between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And Dominique, and uh, Vlad basically asked uh, Dominique, what are your thoughts about the last dance and what do you think about the way that Scottie Pippen has been going at Michael Jordan. So what we want to do is we want to play what an NBA legend, a top 75 guy, had to say about the vicious attacks and jealousy that Scottie Pippen has had towards Michael Jordan. Take a listen to Dominique Wilkins here. What did you think of the last dance? I didn't. I never I never watched it. You never watched it? Because we lived it. I knew it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we lived it. So, you know, we, we competed. So it was nothing that surprised me about the last dance and when people were talking about it. So, you know, we knew what Michael was. We knew what the Bulls were. They knew who we, everybody knew who each other was. So we saw it firsthand. So we didn't, seeing it on TV didn't change our vision of what we thought. I mean, when you look at the aftermath of that series, Scottie Pippen has been going at Jordan, saying that he didn't win any rings until, you know, until Scottie showed up and everything else like that. And you actually defended Jordan uh, with these comments. I mean, when you, when you see Scotty saying stuff like that, what do you think? As someone who played really, against both when of them. When I hear him saying, I'm saying, saying to myself, what's really going on with Scotty? But can anybody know basketball? Like, you don't win those rings without Jordan. Yeah, does Jordan win six rings without Scotty? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't even get in that position without MJ, period. I mean, Anybody who knows the game would look like, and anybody who played against Mike, you know, how fierce of a competitor he was. Now, they had great pieces to that shock Chicago team. They had a great Scottie Pippen. They had Horace Grant. You had Kukos. You had uh, Kerr and Paxson. You had, you had a great nucleus on that team. So all you those had pieces. Rodman. And everybody, Rodman, everybody yeah. accepted their role. Mm -hmm. That was the difference. But Scotty is dealing with something else, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I mean, the Lars to Pippen, uh, Marcus Jordan thing probably doesn't help. 
you know, sometimes everybody want to be the king. And everybody can't, you know. Um, like I said, whatever issue that he got going, them two got going, I mean, it really makes no sense. You're talking about 20, 30 years removed. Come on. You got to let go of that stuff, man. Because what are you going to accomplish out of it, really? What do you get out of it? I mean, John Sally, one of the things that he always says on my show that gets people upset, you know, as someone who actually played on the Bulls, he said that Scottie Pippen was the most skilled player he's ever played with, not Jordan. Scottie Pippen is probably the most skilled player I've ever played with. Really? Yeah. Skilled. He plays point guard, shooting guard, small forward, big forward, and center. He can guard anybody on the court. Dennis Rodman. Um, can dribble the ball right-handed, left-handed. The fundamentals are built into his swag. When you hear him say that, what do you think? Hey, Scotty was skilled. There's no question about that. Nobody can take Scotty's ability away from him. Uh, my only problem is the the back, I mean, not even the back and forth, but the kind of the, the negative undertone that this whole thing has taken. For what? You know, what, what is Scotty? What are you what are you trying to hoping to get out of this? And when, but, but when you talk from a skill level, I don't know of too many people more skilled than Mike. So you heard what he had to say. You heard what he had to say. First thing he said was, let's not even get it twisted. Yeah, I know MJ needed you to win those championships. Yeah, I know that. But let's not get it twisted. You needed MJ more. We've even done polls about this. We recently put up a poll of over 30, where over 33,000 people voted on the poll. And the question was simply this, which of these three people do you think had the biggest role in the success that the Chicago Bulls had during the championship years? We had Phil Jackson, we had Michael Jordan, we had Scottie Pippen. Over 85% of the voters voted for Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen was damn near tied. Well, Phil Jackson for second or third place. Everyone knows this, including Scottie Pippen including him. But this is what jealousy does. This is what happens when you're not content with what you have and you're busy looking at what somebody else, has, somebody else has. Jordan is was going to be the star. Why you focus on MJ's star when you can focus on your own? What's all the need for the hate? Do you know how many times Scottie Pippen has flip-flopped on who's better between Michael Jordan and, and LeBron? Do you know how many times? In one hand, he'll say LeBron is the better player than Michael Jordan. In the next hand, he'll say Michael Jordan is the more superior player and they should never be compared. I don't understand what this comparison is. Which one is it? And if you go back and listen to some of the things that Scottie Pippen had been saying about Michael Jordan ever since the uh, Last Dance docuseries, it turns out Scottie was talking about things that pertain to when they were teammates, which means, which, which raises the question, what have you been, what, what do you really think about MJ over these last 20 years? If you're referring to how you felt about him by calling him a selfish player, he took all the credit. If this is what you felt about him while you guys were teammates, why everywhere when I saw you guys, y'all are all buddy-buddy and hugging it up and blowing kisses? Because whenever I saw you with MJ, it was all smiles, which makes me believe that Jordan never knew what Scotty truly felt about him. And the big, bad, evil Michael Jordan when Scottie Pippen was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, guess who was standing right next to him? Michael Jordan. This evil, selfish teammate who has always said, there is no way in hell I win those six championships without Scottie Pippen. 
You go pull up the audio where Scottie Pippen says, there's no way in hell I win those six championships without Michael Jordan as of late. The guy's everywhere. And that's the reason why Dominique Wilkins seems to be confounded by what is going on. He's like, what are you really trying to accomplish here? Well, I can answer it for you. He was trying to sell a book. He was trying to sell a book, which I believe he successfully did. And it's because of these ridiculous Scottie Pippen attacks that you have people now coming out saying, oh, if it wasn't for Scotty, MJ wouldn't have won nothing. As if they're going to bring a player that won anything by themselves. It's a joke. And Scottie Pippen has been the one leading this madness with the comments that he's been making about MJ. But I'm glad that a top 75 guy is saying it. Like Scotty, cut it out. Enough of the hate. Enough of the jealousy. The guy did nothing to you. All he did was praise you every single opportunity he got in public. And all you've been doing over the last few years is basically attacking him every single chance you get. And the irony in all of it is we have yet to hear a single, a single mumbling word from MJ. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Okay, let's get let's get into this topic right here. As you guys know, there was a lot of anticipation surrounding Shannon Sharp's debut on ESPN First Take. Shannon Sharp, former ES, uh, FS1 employee. Right before, the Friday before he debuted on that Monday, which I believe was, oh goodness, I think it was September 4th or some, something like that. They released this interview between him, this podcast episode between him and Stephen A. Smith. Over the weekend, that podcast generated over 1.5 million views, which showed you that there was a lot of interest in Shannon Sharp going to ESPN. So what happens? First day he goes there. There's all of this attention. He had that, he had that opening segment when he has on the cowboy hat, which I thought was clever because it's something new and it's it's and it's something it's it's a style that uh, ESPN first take has. So I think it worked perfectly. And he goes on there and he does his thing. Right, the first show was a massive hit in terms of ratings. That first episode drew in an average of seven hundred and fifty-four thousand viewers in that first show. This second show, which was a Tuesday show, because if you guys remember. Contractually, contractually, Shannon Sharp is obligated to show up on that show two times a week on Mondays and Tuesdays to discuss football. Second show he goes there generates over half a million viewers. It was another success. However, however, there was something that took place during that first episode uh, of ESPN First Take um, uh, with Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. But as a matter of fact, some things that took place. While he was on there, there was all of this excitement and blah, 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 and all of this stuff. Something interesting happened. While he was on there, Shannon Sharp, while he was talking, referred to Stephen A. Smith as Skip Bayless. Not once, but two times. So what we want to do is maybe some people ain't hear it. We're going to play a quick clip. It's like 30 seconds of Shannon Sharp calling Stephen A. Smith Skip Bayless on ESPN First Take. Take a listen to that there. Is KFC on upset alert? 
if they don't get Jones back? Yes, because if you think about it, the Lions will pick to win that division. Skip, this is Skip. It's all right. It's all right. Stephen A. Hey, you know what, Skip? Skip. It's okay. It's okay. It's been seven years. Stephen A. Right, I got you. I agree with everything you just said. And okay. he needs to stay his ass off social media. Because here's the thing, Skip. Steve, Steve. Hey! It's all right. It's okay, my man. It's all right. Seven years, bro. It's okay. Don't listen. Don't worry about the choice. Don't break good. that bracelet, though. That's what I'm more <laughs> concerned about. Stephen A., it's all right, baby. So you heard Shannon Sharp call Stephen A. Smith that. Good. Now, what happened? This morning, I was doing some research, and I came across a post via, uh, what is it, fadeawayworld.net, where it was a clip that Stephen A. Smith was referring to, or, excuse me, responding to, which was the very clip we just played for you, where they were talking, I believe, about the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that, or, or um, Cardarius uh, Tony. That's what they were talking about when he calls Stephen A. Smith uh, Skip Bayless. So that clip goes out, and people are laughing at Shannon Sharp again. And as a matter of fact, when we produced that first show, where we were talking about the feedback, people, a lot of people in the comment section were saying, oh, but he called him Skip. He called him Skip. So yesterday, Stephen A. Smith went on... I believe it was Twitter to respond to some of the things that uh, people have been saying about Shannon Sharp in terms of him continuously making that mistake. So let me read what Stephen A. Smith had to say on Twitter. He says, will folks calm the F down, please? The man at Shannon Sharp worked with Skip for two and a half hours every single uh, week, week every single weekday for six and a half years. I'm surprised he hasn't called me Skip Moore. Honest mistake. Nobody is phased, by the way. So long as he shows up to ESPN First Take, when I ask, we are good. Trust. So that's what Stephen A. Smith had to say to the critics of uh, Shannon Sharp because, because he keeps making this mistake. What are my thoughts on this? My thoughts aren't many. First of all, first of all, are we going to deny that Shannon Sharp is not talented? Are we going to deny this? I don't think anyone's going to deny this. Shannon Sharp is charismatic. He's funny. Uh, he's well-spoken. Um, he's, he's credible, especially when he's talking sports, especially football. So Shannon has a lot of things going for him. And what I've noticed is not a Shannon thing. It's a human being thing. Some people, not all, but some, some people only focus on the times you make mistakes. They don't focus on the times you get things right. I'll give you guys an example of this. We're all human beings, so we're all prone to make errors. On this show, we could produce a 15-minute segment give articles, give supporting audio, all of those different things. But if I mispronounce a word or mispronounce a person's name, or I make an error where I say a number because I'm thinking and I rarely use notes and I say something, but people obviously know what I mean. There are people that will listen to a 15 minute show. And the minute you make that one mistake, they're going to point out that mistake. They're going to overlook the entire 14 minutes and 50 seconds and hold on to that three to four second mistake that you made. 
and then leave a comment and say, but hey, you made a mistake right there. You, you, made, you made a mistake. Go, 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 go. What about that? You said that right there. You said, you said what about that? That's some human beings for you. Some people are just wired to think that way and nitpick and point out people's flaws and point out where you're doing. That's just some human beings. When the thing originally happened, if I'm being totally honest with you, I didn't give a damn. Was it surprising? No. Do you know why? Because when I talk and we do these shows, sometimes you say one thing meaning another thing. You may say one number meaning another number. And sometimes I'll watch the show back and be like, oh man, I should have said that. The majority of the people won't comment because they understand that number one, this guy just made a mistake or number two, I understand what he's saying. So we're going to give him a break. We produce what, 2,000? 500 plus videos do you know how many hours it takes to produce 2500 videos do you know how many hours it goes into that you do something long enough you're going to make mistakes it's not oh i'm making an excuse it's a human thing so for people to be sitting down and pointing oh look you wrote that wrong or you misspelled that give me a break because we could have somebody sit down and then scrutinize you throughout your day. Maybe you, when you're doing your work, where you had a typo, where you said the wrong thing, where you didn't say the right word. And somebody could say, hey, but hey, you effed up over there too. But that's childish. That's childish. That's the first thing. The second thing. He called him Skip. Big deal. Big deal. So what? What does he mean? That what? What does it mean? That what? Oh, he still got Skip on his mind. The guy moved on to a bigger show. How does he still have Skip on his mind? He's doing bigger things. I just recently saw he had another show. Uh, what's the show? He has a, a show with um, Chad Ocho, Ocho Cinco. He has a new show. He has an ESPN first take. He's doing interviews. I think he has an interview coming out with Chris Brown, and I think today or tomorrow or something like that. The guy's busy. The guy's doing very well. And I think in all of this, we're losing the fact this Shannon Sharp is successful at ESPN. We're making it about everything except the success. Folks, the guy brought in 700,000 viewers on his debut episode. 754,000. Now, some people say, but ESPN generally has a, a, a viewer base, which, which fluctuates. It does fluctuate between 350, maybe 450. So the bump in viewership, you can attribute that to Shannon Sharp. The guy's doing well. So while we sitting up here talking about, oh, he says skip, he says skip, Shannon Sharp is skipping all the way to the bank. He's skipping all the way to the bank. J. Cole made a joke about it. Uh, um, um, about, uh, you know, people making fun of your mistakes or whatever it is. Like, so what? So what? He called him Skip. So what? Are you surprised? I mean, this happens. When you're around somebody for long enough, you're going to call them the other person's name. What's the big deal? So for Stephen A. Smith to push back, I guess that it was beginning to get to him and maybe a lot of people were talking about it uh, and maybe it got to him where it's like he's hearing of the chatter out there. To me, I wouldn't even have bothered to respond to it because it's irrelevant. It's not changing anything. It's not like as if, oh, because he called him Skip Bayless. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, people are not going to tune into ESPN first take and watch. No, they are. They are. No one in their right mind will say that Shannon Sharp is doing a bad job. So to boil it down to all of that, man, I just think that's just a bunch of hate and, and people just being nitpicking and looking for people to make mistakes. And if you're somebody that you yourself makes mistakes, 
it's quite corny to go around pointing out when people have errors and say, oh, look, you made that. Look what he said. Come on, stop. Like, what are we? What are we? What are we? What are we? Seven years old? Like, come on. I got it. The first episode, I got it. Okay, he made the mistake. Maybe it was a lot of nerves and anticipation. Okay, but now we're still on it. He called him Skip. So if people didn't point this out, I wouldn't even care. And for Shannon to even react the way that he did by saying, damn, I think he gave these jokers more leeway. Like, so what? The guy's successful. He's doing his thing. Like, what's up with all of this? Oh, my God. He said Skip's name. And, oh, what does it mean for Shannon Sharp? Oh, is it a wrap for his career? Like, yo, cut it out. Like, come on. At a certain point, man, we got to stop. We gotta, And then it'll be the same people running around talking about, oh, you're trying to uplift a black man and pull it out. Yo, like, yo, cut it out. It's, it's getting, yo, it's becoming like whack at this point. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. If you guys know anything about Kyrie Irving, you know that he's an enigmatic person, right? He's an enigmatic person. Uh, it's very hard at times to get a sense of where Kyrie Irving is. Uh, at any given time, we all know that he is an extremely talented basketball player. I recently read an article where Tracy McGrady believes that uh, Kyrie Irving is the most skilled um, offensive guard in the NBA. If you watch Kyrie Irving play, you know that he is one of the most skilled players in the NBA, extremely clutch, has arguably the best crossover ever, arguably, arguably, um, you know, very talented basketball player. But with that, there are other things that come with Kyrie. We also know that Kyrie Irving can be temperamental. Uh, we know that he has had issues with pretty much all of the organizations that he's ever played with, with the exception of the Dallas Mavericks, because, well, we haven't seen him play long enough with the Dallas Mavericks yet. He only played with them for maybe half a season when he got traded there to trade deadline from the Brooklyn Nets. We know when he came into the NBA, he was originally drafted as a Cleveland Cavalier, then ultimately... LeBron ended up coming back to the team alongside with Kevin Love, and then they went out there and won a championship in 2016, but him and LeBron James did butt heads. Kyrie Irving did say, listen, if you guys don't find a way to get me the hell up out of here, I am going to get surgery, because I believe what happened there was Kyrie Irving uh, got some news that the Cavaliers were looking to trade him, I believe, for Chris Paul. And when that news came out, it didn't sit well with Kyrie. And then, of course, we know what happened in Boston. That didn't work out as well. And then ultimately, Kyrie Irving was moved to go play with the Brooklyn Nets alongside Kevin Durant. And then later on came James Harden. That team at the time, when they got James Harden, to use the phrase that James Harden used, it was going to be scary hours. And they truly were a scary team. I had not seen an offensive trio like that between the three of those guys. They were averaging about 75 points a game. It was unheard of. It was unheard of. But over time, that team imploded. And some of it had to do with Kyrie. Now, what am I talking about? If you guys remember well, the the pandemic hit and um, governments were asking their citizens to be vaccinated, right? And private entities as well, people like, you know, organizations like the NBA were also doing that. At the time, it became a very polarizing issue. And I think the majority of NBA players did get vaccinated, but Kyrie Irving elected to not get vaccinated because he had his own set of uh, reasons why he did not want to do that. And because he was not willing to do that, it created this conversation around Kyrie, which was, is Kyrie Irving putting himself first over the team? 
because all of the other teammates are making a sacrifice and going ahead and, do, and going ahead and doing it, even though some of them are doing it begrudgingly. But Kyrie Irving is saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And I don't care if it affects the team chemistry or whatever, wh- or what we're trying to build here. That's when him and that Stephen A. Smith thing really took on a life of his own. And a lot of people had their views about him. So essentially what happened was Brooklyn told Kyrie, you know what, if you're not going to, if you're not going to get vaccinated and New York was saying that you need to, then you cannot play any of the home games. It was, uh, it was unheard of. So he was sent home originally, and then he was asked to come back and only play road games. But Kyrie built a lot of support because there were people out there that respected the fact that he was willing to stand on what he believes in. So ultimately we know that the NBA kind of lifted the band and then I think he didn't need to get vaccinated. The States, excuse me, the States lifted the ban because the NBA didn't demand teams. They just wanted players to do it. And then Kyrie Irving was now no longer, he didn't need to get vaccinated. Then after that, what happened next? The infamous tweet. He puts out a tweet about a film that had some, as to use the term that they were using, anti-Semitic tropes and then had some, said some anti-Semitic things. And Kyrie Irving put out this tweet, which created a firestorm. And then ultimately he ended up getting suspended and he had to go through sensitivity. It was, it was just a big mess. And in the midst of all of this happening, what was happening was it was tarnishing his reputation around the NBA to the point where some people was, were, were worried that Kyrie Irving may find it difficult to gain employment in the NBA with another team. Ultimately, he ended up getting moved from Brooklyn and now finds himself in Dallas with Luka Doncic. As you guys know, Dallas ended their season last year in an, in an absolutely embarrassing fashion by tanking, losing on purpose, and uh, we all know how that went. So what happened? This morning, I was doing some research. And I came across an article from fadeawayworld.net. And the article has the following headline. Kyrie Irving sparks outrage after celebrating unvaccinated tennis stars victory in U.S. Open. After years of scandal and drama, Kyrie Irving is skating on thin ice with the NBA community. Dating back to his last days in Cleveland, Irving has been an agent of chaos over the past few years and and his latest activity on social media has once again directed criticism in his direction. In a series of Instagram story posts this week, Irving celebrated the U.S. Open win for tennis star uh, Novak Djokovic, who famously refused to get vaccinated for the coronavirus. In one tweet, uh, in one picture here, it says Kyrie Irving just posted a bunch of Instagram stories. Unvaccinated Novak uh, won the U.S. Open. He won, and we, we, and we will too. No, it says, "Damn, damn, you write about all these conspiracy theories over the years. I thought you were crazy." Uh, that's what one image said. Another image said, "Did you know the media continues an invisible government that controls the public mind?" Uh, And then he put that post up there. Djokovic was disqualified from participating in events for years before he was finally let back on the court, which is strikingly similar, which is strikingly similar story to Kyrie Irving, who was banned from suiting up in home games for the Brooklyn Nets. If you remember, Irving was one of the NBA's most vocal critics against the vaccine, and he spearheaded a campaign to challenge the nationwide vaccine uh, requirements. While every person and player is free to support their own uh, principles, Irving's stance against the vaccine was basically like signing a death sentence for the Nets, who were counting on Kyrie to help lead uh, them to success in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Morally speaking, many fans and experts take issue with Irving's anti-vax stance, and his posts on Instagram are good, are only good for uh, feeding the rage 
machine attached to his name. One person said he just signed a new contract. He upgraded his tinfoil hat over the offseason. It's platinum now. Another person says Mav going to have a rough season. Uh, another person said Martin Luther King back at it again. And uh, some other people said, another guy said, not again. And then <laughs> with the Stephen A. Smith face, uh, another person said, Kyrie, stay the hell out of politics and play ball. Another person said, and why are you so obsessed with, Ky obsessed with Kyrie's post? It's truly embarrassing how you're trying to start a controversy that doesn't exist. So that was the reaction uh, to what Kyrie Irving posted there. Here are my thoughts on this. And I'm not going to take too much of your time here. Here are my thoughts on this. I think Kyrie has carved out a niche for himself and he's gained a lot of support. As you guys know, Kyrie Irving is a magnanimous person. Uh, he loves to give and that's something that we cannot minimize in any way because generosity is a big thing. Uh, so for him to donate his his resources to people all around the world, that's something to be to be commended because there are other people that can do it, that can do it. Uh, that are not doing it, not saying that everyone should do it as everyone's right. But if someone steps forward and takes that leadership role, we shouldn't commend uh, we shouldn't condemn that person for it. we should we should commend them for it. And it also speaks to the person's heart that Kyrie Irving is a very generous uh, person. However, I think we also have to be honest about what's really at stake here. The fact of the matter is this Kyrie Irving is one of these people, whether it's fair or not. That is that finds himself in the in the box where if the media talks about Kyrie Irving, it's always going to be from a negative standpoint. Similarly to Russell Westbrook. At one point, Russell Westbrook was heralded by the media and media members. But now every single article, the majority of the articles that came out about Russell Westbrook over the last six months to 12 months have been all negative. In the case of Kyrie Irving, they're almost always negative. One of the biggest monikers that Kyrie Irving carries around with him these days is that he's a team destroyer, meaning wherever he goes, there's always going to be some issue, no matter the case. And in this particular situation, when you hear people saying not again, I'm afraid that it may bring on unwarranted criticism. Right now, I don't think that Kyrie Irving is someone that shies away from criticism because, again, uh, he's a he's he's a he's a man of his principles. He believes in what he's going to believe. And he's not going to let anybody sway him in either way. I think Kyrie Irving considers himself a free thinker. I think he likes to formulate his own opinions. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, but that's everybody. We're all never one. We're, we're all never one hundred percent correct. However, I don't think that Kyrie should be uh, surprised that if he continues down this path, that people start to say negative things about him, because you got to understand. People are waiting to say negative things about you. One of the things people are going to say is, is Kyrie going to go to the Dallas Mavericks and mess it up? It was already kind of happening when he got there because some people were saying that the Dallas Mavericks were more successful. They had a better chemistry without Kyrie than when they had him. So to me, I think that this is something to, some, something excuse me, to pay uh, close attention to. It doesn't mean that, oh, my God, you know, um, he's a bad person. But I believe this particular issue is very, very polarizing because this vaccine issue is a political issue. Whether you want to whether, whether we want to admit it or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is it, it is a political issue. 
because it was something that was mandated by certain uh, local principalities and governments or whatever it is, states or whatever it is. So it is legislatively driven. And whenever you get into politics, as I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, you get into murky grounds and things begin to get messy. But hey, um, we could be reading too much into it now. But I think that if he current, if he continues down his current trajectory and he does things, it's going to cause people to have a negative word about him. You're going to see that firestorm start all over again. And, uh, uh, and I'm afraid that they're now going to come up with that same argument. You see, now it's Dallas. First it was Cleveland. Then it was uh, 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 Boston. Then it was Brooklyn. Now it's Dallas. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.